this week's special episode of the Starting 11 podcast, we talk about two disappointing results for Canada in both the Gold Cup and the Women's World Cup. And we discuss Christine Sinclair's 182nd goal, making her only two away from matching Abby Wambach's record. All that and more coming up on the Starting 11 podcast. Hello and welcome to this special episode 26, I guess, of uh, the Starting 11 podcast. This is going to be an all-Canada edition. Um, so it's the first time we're doing an all-Canada edition. We're going to be talking about the men at the Gold Cup, as well as the women at the Women's World Cup. And with me today, it's just a two-man show. So with me today is uh, Justin Borrow. Support local football. Hey, someone <laughs> still did it. Chengiz awesome. wasn't here to fill it in, so I figured that uh, figured I'd step up to the plate. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Everyone needs to, uh, you know, I guess support national football on this episode. Yes. Okay? <laughs> support Canadian football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, you know what? The Canadian team's actually doing pretty well. As we said, the women are already through to the uh, last 16. So this game against uh, the Netherlands... I mean, it really, it, the only circumstance that it had was who was going to top the group. Um, the men obviously played one of the Gold Cup favorites in Mexico. Um, and we'll start with that, actually, because that was, uh, to me, that was a little bit more of an interesting game um, than the women's game. I mean, the women's game was hotly contested, but I feel like the uh, men had more skin in the game because... Obviously, they're not through to the last 16 yet. Um, so, Gold Cup, Canada loses to Mexico 3-1. Yeah, it was it was a little bit disappointing. I mean, um, you know, we were expecting a little bit more, I think, from them. And uh, it seemed like the first 60 minutes of the game, Canada wasn't really in it. Um, I mean, I know you're going to talk about it in a second, but, like, there was a kind of a weird formation that, you know, John Herdman brought out. And, um, yeah, it felt like for the first 60 minutes, Canada was trying to kind of find their feet. Um, and, I mean, they, they did pick it up towards the end of the match, but it, it was kind of, you know... Um, too late at that point so uh, it, it definitely had a weird feel to it. it it definitely didn't look the same team that that played martinique uh the week before but uh, i'm really curious to kind of see what happens going forward yeah i think uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the identity of this team is going to be under john herdman um so you know obviously we lost 3-1 to mexico we won uh 4-0 over martinique there are just absolute oceans and just miles and miles of difference between the Mexico team that we saw and the Martinique team that we saw in the first match. Uh, I wonder what Cuba's going to be like in the third match. But um, yeah, to go back to this Mexico game, Canada with 31% possession, uh, Mexico with 69% possession. At times, it looked like Mexico had way more than 69% possession. Canada was really sitting back. They played with uh, the three lock center backs and then two wing backs. Um, it, it was kind of a weird formation for me. Um, I don't really like having Hutchinson in the center backs. I felt like when he moved into the defensive midfield role in the second half, uh, Canada opened up a little bit more. I think he has a little bit more, um, a little bit more stature, a little bit more prowess in the defensive midfield role as opposed to a center back role. But, um, 
What what did you think about the defensive lineup? Because to me, it was kind of weird. Yeah, I, I did. I I do like Hutchinson. I said it last week as a center back. Um, but I do see what you mean. I think when he plays sort of that center defensive, um, that defensive center role, uh, it kind of gives him more opportunity to sort of um, play that. Um, he, he's he's able to kind of um, disperse the ball a little bit better. Uh, his distribution, I feel like he's really uh, he's great when it comes to um, distributing the ball up the pitch uh, and sort of feeding the wings. Um, so I mean, it it, it wasn't a, a great matchup, I think, for uh, playing a team like Mexico. I understand why Herdman did it. I feel like coming in against a powerhouse team, uh, you wanted to kind of really kind of stack up your back line, uh, and I think that's what he tried to do, but it just didn't really work out. Um, and I think in regards to stats, the one that really stands out to me and, and kind of like you said, is that it felt like Mexico had way more than 69% possession, um, just comes down to like, even if you look at like passing, uh, 608 passes for Mexico, as opposed to Canada's 276. And out of that 276, you know, they only had a 78% uh, accuracy, whereas Mexico was sitting on a 90% pass accuracy. So I feel like Mexico just sort of controlled the ball better. Uh, they controlled the play more, um, and it really kind of came to, to bite Canada in the end because they just didn't really weren't able to sort of find their feet until it was sort of too late. Yeah, I think uh, probably 150 of those passes, let's be honest, were between Reyes, Ochoa and uh, Arujo in the back there. But um, yeah, I think the, the way that they kind of set up was they set up to absorb the Mexican pressure. Um, and I think that was kind of the, the wrong thing to do. Kyle Laren was just super lazy on the right side. I feel like every time he starts for Canada, he, he doesn't put in the effort that we need. Um, Will Johnson did Will Johnson things. He, he, was, he was decent, but he wasn't anything spectacular. Um, I feel like Cornelius had a great game. Um, Henry, he, he's just, he's... He's very nonchalant with the ball, and he does make quite a few mistakes. So having him as your main center defender, I think, is playing with fire. Um, and Russell Tybert, to be honest, just looked lost on the at the at left back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it felt like it sort of felt like discombobulated. They didn't feel like they were really gelling together. Uh, I think that you know Jonathan David probably should have started again. Um, I mean, I, I thought that um, Cavallini made some great runs, and I, I think that he you know he played well up top. Um, but I. I I just didn't really like what I was seeing from the team. Um, Kyle Lauren just did not have a great night. Um, but I, I, I feel like Canada, like you said, they did set up to sort of absorb Mexico's pressure, which makes sense because you are going up against a favorite in the, the tournament and a, a powerhouse team, let's be honest. Um, so I feel like, but what Canada should have done is I feel like they should have relied more on their midfield. They should have uh, sort of tried to control the game as much as they could and really sort of taken it to the Mexican team I feel like um, the Mexican de de defense is is they're, they're good, but I don't think that they're they're that good. And I think that Canada has the offensive power um, to sort of take it to them. And I would have liked to seen Canada sort of take more chances there. Yeah, obviously Gallardo, I think, caused a lot of problems for Laren um, the way that they were playing. Because I mean, having Brogiard as the as the right wing back, I guess you could call him. Um, he didn't really have a lot of support from Laren. So he had Alvarado coming at him all the time, um, as well as having uh, Gallardo uh, overlapping on those runs. And, and he wasn't getting the same support from Laren that he probably would have gotten from someone like, say, Jonathan David. Um, I think that Mark Anthony Kay had a really good game. 
Uh, he controlled a lot of the midfield and a lot of the key passes that were made into Cavallini and into Davies uh, came from Mark Anthony Kay. I think he's a great box-to-box midfielder. He gets up in the attack and he also comes back and defends really well. Um, so I think he's probably one to watch for the rest of the tournament. Um, and I think that's someone that Herdman can really work with because he is a versatile player as well. So you can slot him in at left back. You can slot him in at left mid. You can slot him in at center mid. I'm sure he can even play striker too if you put him up there. Yeah, and I I agree with you there. And I think that, you know, he was definitely the most versatile player on the pitch for Canada. Um, But I just, I was expecting more out of our our offensive line. Um, I I thought that we, you know, um, I, I wanted to see more attack from Canada. Uh, and I just sort of felt like it was it was sort of flat. They played it a little bit too safe. Uh, and I feel like when you're up against a team like Mexico, um, you just sort of you, you can't do that. You know, they're they're going to burn you. Uh, and I think that, you know, Canada obviously learned a, a valuable lesson there. Um, the only benefit for them, you know, and I don't want to um, count my chickens before they hatch, is that, you know, going into play to Cuba, uh, Cuba lost 3-0 to Martinique, uh, a team that they comfortably beat 4-0. Um, and so I, I feel like they do have, you know, an, uh, an advantage of progressing um, going up against um, uh, Cuba. But uh, that being said, I think that there there's definitely a lot of um, holes that Canada needs to fix Um before they they progress in this tournament uh, and I, I think that the the main one is that they they really need to sort of solidify their defensive back line um and and really sort of um push forward as, a, as an attacking team yeah i think the the real question becomes who do you put there so when it comes to the center backs who do you put there because cornelius and henry are really your only your only center backs that you've brought with you i mean Godinho's there, but Godinho plays, you know, uh, as a wing back. So yeah, no, it's do do? It, it's tough. I mean, I, I don't think that uh, I think Ashton Morgan wouldn't wouldn't be a horrible option. You know, I feel like he he's somebody that you can throw on there, and you know, he can give you a a, a solid, you know, sixty five minutes. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing him. Uh, come on, I think I think he's done some some great things for TFC when he has been on the pitch, um, and I mean you know the way that uh, the game that Henry had, uh, you know, it wasn't great, and so I, I feel like you know it, it doesn't hurt to kind of get somebody else out there, especially against a team like Cuba, uh, and really sort of see where it where it takes them. Right, it's, it, this would be a good game for Herdman to kind of sort of take a look at his lineup one more time and and sort of see who he can he can trust and who he can put out there and and who can put it a good showing. So. I think maybe if you start, if you're starting Henry and Cornelius, uh, it might make sense to give Crippo a, sh- a shot um, because he is the Whitecaps goalkeeper. They're two Whitecaps center backs. Um, so obviously they have the communication. Uh, you know, give it a shot, see what happens. Maybe, uh, maybe it works out really well. Um, but I- I'd like to just talk about the goals quickly. Because I think <laughs> we, we kind of went over the goals a little bit before. Uh, before we went on. Uh, so the first goal, obviously, a little bit of a tap in by Alvarado. Not much you can do about that one. Uh, but the second goal, the second Mexican goal, that sort of wonder strike by Guardado. Um, just absolutely world class. But- what a strike. Like I watched the highlight probably like 15 or 20 times and just the, the way he hits it and the the like the projectile on the ball and just the, the way that it kind of floats in uh you know Borgen had no chance to stop that ball and it's just it was a beautiful beautiful strike he hit it perfectly and uh that definitely is going to be one of the goals of the tournament I think. Oh yeah, no definitely. I mean, it's uh 
you know, it's it's really sad that uh, Eric Gutierrez had to go out so early uh, because he is a good young player. But, I mean, when you have Gordado coming off the bench and he comes on and scores two goals and basically wins the match for you, um, you know, you can't really complain with that. Um, Jonathan David coming on. We've talked about him in the past. Jonathan David is an exciting attacking player. He's the one who created the goal for Cavallini. Was this a case of Herdman just trying to be way too defensive that he completely ignored the fact that, you know, we have to have a little bit of that attacking prowess on the field other than Alfonso Davies and Lucas Cavallini? I think so. And that, that's sort of what I was saying earlier is I, I, I was sort of shocked that Jonathan David wasn't up there um, starting as opposed to um, Cavallini. I, I think that a, a mix of Davies and uh, Jonathan David would have would have been a pretty strong duo. And I think that we saw that with the substitutions that were brought on. I think that we sort of saw Canada come to life for those last 30 minutes. Uh, and I mean, the the third goal was, you know, it was an unfortunate, you know, deflection for Guadardo to get a second, um, which kind of buried Canada at that point. But, you know, after... Um, for those, you know, from the, the the moment those substitutions happened and, and when David, you know, did come on the pitch, um, you know, you could tell that Canada sort of had this attacking fire in them. And and like you said, you know, for him to, to poke that ball past the defender and then get it over to um, Cavallini for the tap-in, uh, it, it kind of showed that, you know, the, the attack was there. It was just unfortunate that the, um, the Mexican goal, you know, came immediately after and sort of deflated the tires of the Canadian team. Yeah, I, I think... This game against Cuba, obviously, we expect Canada to win. Um, but it's still going to be interesting because there's always a chance. Let's put it down to that. There's always a chance that, um, you know, we, we get a tie. And at that point, it, it goes into goal differential, which I, I believe we would still go through. Yeah, I think so. On, Cuba, because yeah. Cuba was 7-0, right? Um, yeah, I think it's Martinique that you'd have to worry about, not Cuba. Because they won 3-0. But, but we beat them 4-0, so would it go head-to-head first, or would it be goal differential first? I think it's just goal differential Is it goal first. differential first? Yeah, I mean, hey, I like so. you said, anything can happen, and the best example of that is the World Cup qualifier, Trinidad and Tobago versus U.S., yeah, I mean that's exactly. you know that's the that's sort of the um, sobering reminder that you know you are not invincible and and any team can beat you on the right day in the right conditions. So don't take anything for granted, and you have to go out there and play them the same way that you would play a Mexico uh, or a U.S. Right. So I, I feel like Canada needs to heed that warning and, and not go in, you know, looking at this as a cakewalk, um, regardless of the team that it is. I mean, you know, we all know that in regards to class, I feel like, um, and skill, I, I, I do think that Canada is, is you know, head and shoulders above them. Um, but I, I do think that they need to heed caution when they go in and, and take this game seriously and not see it as a, a throwaway game. Oh, definitely. I, I don't think they'll take it as a throwaway game. And realistically, Herdman can't take it as a throwaway game. Um, it is your last group stage game of the Gold Cup. Um, after that, chances are, like, I mean, I hate to hark back to things that I wrote before. But like I said, Costa Rica's waiting um, in the quarterfinals. So uh, it, you can't really take your foot off the gas. You have to just keep going. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, every, every team is capable of an upset so let's uh let's just stay the course and try and uh score as many goals as we can against cuba i think they need it i think they need a little bit of a uh, reinvigoration game after this loss absolutely and i think that you know if they can go out there and have a good showing against cuba it'll really be a great confidence booster for them going forward in the tournament you know and progressing to to the next round
I, I 100% agree. Um, let's move on to the Women's World Cup now because we had a big game happen today. Canada played the Netherlands. Uh, unfortunate 2-1 loss to the Netherlands. I mean, like I, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Both goals for the Netherlands. Uh, Kadisha Buchanan did get beat or at least was a little bit late on both goals. Um, I don't want to lay all the blame on her because she is a fantastic center back, um, but she was a little bit late on both goals. Um, so, I mean, Canada had a good game. They controlled most of the possession. They had most of the shots, uh, most of the passes. I mean, it was very even, but they did show well. They did show well, but I, I think that it would you know be unfair to say um, that they deserve to win. I think that the better team did win, and I think that better team was the Netherlands. Uh, they you know they've now won uh, five out of their last six games, um, and I, I think that you know they're they're a team that you should look out for. I know everybody's got their eyes on the U.S. right now, but the the Netherlands are on fire. You know they um, they swept the group, and uh, they're definitely going to be a team to look out for. Um, but I, I do hope that we're going to talk about uh, the VAR decision that happened in this game. Yeah, I was actually just about oh. to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> so a minute in, uh, Becky gets taken down. Um, inside, outside the box, that's where the VAR comes in. What were your thoughts? It was tough. I mean, from what I saw and from the angle that, that I, I saw it in, uh, I thought that she was taken down inside of the box. Um, for me, I don't think that it was a clear and obvious error to go to VAR, and I think that the penalty should have stood. Um, it, the, the, the contact was sort of initiated right on the edge, um, but I feel like the majority of it did happen sort of inside of the box and, and in that motion. Um, and so, I mean, just my opinion, I, I didn't think that it was it was a clear and obvious error to overturn it. Um, I haven't really been a big fan of the way that VAR has been being used at the Women's World Cup. I think it's been overused, um, which is sort of the opposite of what we said about the Men's World Cup uh, last summer, which was that, you know, it was used almost perfectly and we were almost impressed with how well... Uh, it was being used. Uh, I think that it's it's slowing down the game. Um, it's sort of, uh, it's taking away, there's been some amazing moments that have sort of now been ruined um, because VAR is, is almost overstepping its bounds, just my personal opinion. Um, and I mean, I'm sure we can talk about that in a moment, but um, just in regards to the Canada decision, uh, I think that it was a penalty. Uh, I, I feel that like the contact or the majority of it was inside of the box. Uh, what did you think? I mean, I understand where the VAR system is coming from because the initial contact was made outside the box. Um, so, I mean, if, if you're going to get really specific about the rules, first contact was made outside the box, then the free kick has to come outside the box. Um, I mean, re realistically, I, I think it was very... It was a very tight call it was to go to VAR. Tight, and that was sort of my argument: is that I feel like it was so tight that it, uh, we and we've talked about this, you know, time and time again on the podcast. But like, I feel like it's the tightness of it that that really sort of brings up the point of what is clear and obvious, right? Be and sorry, I think that they're doing every single penalty decision, red card decision, um, goal. I think they're reviewing all of them. So okay. I think that's why I, I don't think it was the referee initiating VAR. I think it was the VAR 
initiating VAR. But <laughs> I, 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 no, I do, but I, I just, and that's sort of where I'm having a hard time because as much as I do love VAR for its ability to, you know, make sure that calls are being made correctly, um, I also don't really enjoy this idea of, you know, a third party kind of policing every single um, small, minute moment of the game. I think that it's, it's like Big Brother. <laughs> it is and it, and it, i feel like it's 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 ruining the game in the sense that it's it's slowing it down too much um and i i think that it's you have to have some of that human error in there uh, i feel like var should be saved and used for for you know big missed calls uh you know almost um like I don't want to say game-defining calls because I feel like any penalty could definitely be a game-defining call, but just sort of, you know, those big gaffes that a referee makes where everybody kind of, you know, is shaking their heads. It's a Twitter trend. Uh, I feel like that's where VAR should really come in handy. I'm not really a huge fan of it being used for for policing every single minute detail of the match because I feel like it just sort of takes away the, um, it, it sort of takes away the adrenaline from the game and just in my personal opinion. No, and I totally understand that. Um, I think that if it slows down the game enough, I think that they'll start to back off on it a little bit. Um, you know, every call, regardless of if it's right or not, is going to be controversial. There's going to be some sort of controversy. I know they're trying to stamp out the controversy by initiating VAR with any of these big calls, but I mean, at the same time, that's where do our talking points go? <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to talk about if VAR fixes everything, you know? Um, and also, I'm, I mean, uh, I can't really say that I didn't agree with the VAR official today um, because of the initial contact being made outside the box. I think that the contact that was inside the box was very light, whereas the contact outside the box, which initiated her falling into the box, um was the original foul. So I kind of agree with it. I think, I honestly think Sinclair should have made more of the free kick, uh, if, if anything. But, you know, I was jumping off my couch today because I was like, yes, penalty, a minute in, like this is a great start. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. Yeah, um, definitely, it definitely can deflate um, the excitement of the game, especially when you're when you're waiting and sort of that, um, it's that, that wait time that sort of really takes out the... Uh, it takes out all of that that excitement sometimes. So, uh, like I said, I'm I'm on the fence with it. I I do like VAR. I like that it gets decisions right, and it, it does. Um, you know, it does ensure for fans that every decision is being made correctly to the the letter of the law. But I also feel like it's um when it's being used to police every single minute detail, uh, it, it takes away some of the, the special moments, right? And I'm just thinking yeah, as an example, you know, Scotland, you know, stopping that penalty in Argentina in stoppage time, and then, you know, having the penalty retaken because of, um, uh, like, inches, inches of her of being off the line. Yeah. Uh, and then to have that retaken, Argentina score, they draw, and both teams go out. It just sort of, res it, it took away sort of that fairy tale moment for Scotland, um, and like I said, I understand that it was, you know, to the letter of the law and, and I, I, I can respect that, but I feel like when it's policing every single little minute detail, uh, it, it sort of just takes away some of the magic and I, and that part I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah. Let's put it this way. There's been a few VAR calls in the women's world cup. Uh, it's, it's really slowed down some of the games and caused a lot of, uh, extra time, a lot of injury time, um, 
you know, and I think FIFA is going to look at this and say, we need to pick and choose what we use VAR for and how it affects a game. If it's going to slow down the game and you're going to take five minutes to go look at VAR, that's way too long. That's totally destroying uh, momentum. It's it's giving teams breathers if they're on the back foot. Um, it's just, I don't know. I think they still have to figure it out. I think, like you said, we got it really, uh, really right at the Men's World Cup. Um, I think the Women's World Cup still has a little bit of stuff to work out. Um, but I mean, hey, it, it's... It's still new to everyone, right? It's, the, it's a, it's the a learning process, just getting right? it new, right? So exactly. It's going to take a while. Um, but, I mean, I, I'd like to talk about sort of the way that they lined up a little bit. Uh, obviously, the, the back four was almost a standard back four now that it's become um, for Canada, uh, with the kind of exception of Alyssa Chapman. Um, I thought that her inclusion was a little bit, a little bit weird or a little bit uh, surprising, the way that Revier played in the last game. Um, but having Zdorsky and Buchanan, I think those are the top two center backs right now. Um, and Ashley Lawrence is just a, a beast on that right side. So um, I think that was fine. I liked, I really, really liked the Haitama-Sinclair um, pairing up front. I think Jesse Fleming could have done a little bit more. Um, but I really liked Haitama-Sinclair. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that... Uh... I agree with you 100% on what you were saying. Um, the back line did, was like they were a little bit slow today, like you said at the beginning. Uh, I also think that you know Stephanie Labe had uh, not a great match. Uh, I think that you know she made some um, interesting decisions, especially on the the second goal. Uh, I feel like she kind of um, uh, took too much of uh, a gamble there, diving out for that ball, and I feel like she should have stayed in her line, and, and she probably would have had a much better chance of stopping that that shot, but I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty in that regard. Um, I think Sinclair had a, a great game. Uh, I, I wanted to see more from uh, Jesse Fleming, um, but I, at the end of the day, I, I think that where Canada just, I, I felt like they sort of underestimated the Netherlands. Uh, I felt like, although they, they did control um, most of the match um it, they just didn't really have that that lively attack that we've come to expect from them um and they didn't really look as dangerous as we've we've come to expect and uh, i feel like going forward in this tournament um they're really going to need to sort of step it up i think that they were kind of they, they were down geared a little bit i think they need to sort of kick it up a gear uh, and really sort of push um in order to uh to sort of to, to make it further in this tournament as they should um i think that the the netherlands came out um with a point to prove and and i think that they they proved it well and, and like i said i think the better team won uh, yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with you there. I think the Netherlands did come out uh, and, and they did look um, at times a little bit more dangerous than Canada. I think that they were really they really needed a little bit more from uh, from Sophie Schmidt, a little bit more from Jesse Fleming, a little bit more from Janine Becky. Um, Sinclair and Heitema were fine up top. I think that when they brought on Adriana Leone, that's really when Canada's attack looked dangerous I, I think she's a great player i think she needs to get a starting uh starting role in this 11 um so i, I mean we're gonna see what's gonna happen uh next match but uh i think the mvp almost for this game is is desiree scott i mean she's been she's the rock in the defensive midfield that 
Canada's been crying out for. Um, I mean, she, she's been there for years, but I mean, it, without her, I think this game might have been completely different. Yeah, I think that, you know, out of uh, Canada's midfield, she was sort of the the one who really sort of stood out. Um, the rest of them kind of looked flat today. Um, but no, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. And I, I think that um, when Leon uh, did come on, I think that that was sort of when um, Canada did start to kind of kick it up a bit. Um, but it, it was at that point, I think it was just a matter of being too late. And uh, I think that Canada just sort of needs to... to settle down and, and remember, um, you know, who they are uh, and, you know, just how good this team is. I mean, they are, you know, one of the best in the world. Uh, and I'm, I really want to sort of see more from them uh, in the next round. I mean, uh, coming into the next round, they're playing a Sweden team who, uh, I mean, let's be completely honest, Sweden's a great team, um, one of the top teams in the world. They play them on Monday at 3 p.m. I don't know what the lineup is going to be for Canada, but I think Heine Muller has to look at um, coming out and actually attacking Sweden. Yes, uh, 100%. You have to play an exciting attacking game. Otherwise, I mean, you might as well just pack your bags and go home. Yeah, you have to take it to them, I think, especially against Sweden. You have to take it to them, um, put them under pressure, uh, control the match, and I, I, they cannot sit back. Uh, and they can't sort of try to play on the counter. I think that it's going to bite them. Um, so that's going to really sort of be a test for this team. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess on the bright side, the way you can look at it is uh, Sweden got scored on by Thailand. <laughs> Thailand scored one goal this whole tournament, and it was against Sweden, which I guess you could say that kind of makes them a little bit uh, exposed. It makes them vulnerable. Vulnerable, at the back. yeah. I don't know what you would say. <laughs> uh, I mean, they, they still won that game. I think five one, but you know, five uh, one, yeah. Eight. <laughs> but I mean, it was no thirteen nothing drubbing. So, I mean, <laughs> Sweden are also no U.S. Uh, U.S. women's national team. So, um, this is true. This is true. <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be the team to look out for this tournament, and uh, I would not be surprised uh, to see a Netherlands U.S. World Cup final. You heard it here first. Ooh. I mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Um, Obviously, but, I hope Canada makes it to the finals. But if they don't, um, you heard it here first. Netherlands, U.S. final. Yeah, I'm going to call Germany, uh, U.S. or Germany, England. Ooh, Ger the three Lions. I like it. Yeah, I think England's really flying right now. Um, they play Cameroon, who just squeaked out Cameroon's <laughs> game today. Man, I think they scored in like the 95th minute, five minutes of injury time. <laughs> yep. Uh, the players were crying on the sideline, just laying on the ground from exhaustion. Just absolutely. They gave everything to get through and then they get to play England. <laughs> so that's what you get, you know? Yep. Uh, you give it your all but, and then you got to face, you know, one of the best teams in the tournament. So Exactly. Uh, so I'm going to say Germany, U.S. for a final. Oh, I like it. Only time will tell. Only time Anyways, will tell, my friend. So that's going to do it for our national roundup for the past couple days uh, for men and women. For Justin Borough, support Canadian football. I am Peter Robinson telling you that the national team is the breeding ground for the Canadian Premier League, the MLS, and Canadians worldwide. So go out and watch a live game. Watch them on TV. Let's get those viewer ratings up because at the end of the day, this is this is our sport and this is exactly what we want to see is Canadian teams in big tournaments. So let's go out and support. Um, 
for us here at the Starting 11 Podcast, thank you for listening. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, or sorry, Apple Podcast. Google Podcast. We're not music. <laughs> Google Podcast. <laughs> uh, Anchor, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. Um, and go like our Instagram page, at XI Podcast. Um, and like us on Facebook, <laughs> starting XI Podcast. I could go on forever. We've got a whole bunch of these. And make sure you uh, guys check out www.xipodcast.com for a ton of great written content by Peter Robinson himself. Yeah, it's all right. It's it's <laughs> it's great. He's being humble. It's great. <laughs> go read it. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, we'll be back to our regular scheduled programming, uh, hopefully at the end of this week, because you're going to be done work. Tomorrow, summer yeah, break. Last day. Being, so, a, being, yeah. being a teacher is great sometimes. So after that, back to regular, regularly scheduled programming uh, with hopefully Chengek's gone back. Yes. So we didn't even mention that he wasn't here today. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oops. He's a much better host than I am. I suck at this. <laughs> no, you don't. You're awesome. <laughs> Why am Peter? I on a podcast? <laughs> everybody, everybody send Peter some love on social media. <laughs> I might need it. We'll see. Um, Or Guinness. Send me love or Guinness. (laughs) I'm okay with both. Um, All right. So for us here at the Starting 11 Podcast, thank you so much for listening. And uh, have a great Gold Cup. Have a great Women's World Cup. And let's go Canada. Let's go Canada. We'll see you next time.